0: to be here. I'm glad for the chance to get dressed up, because I, when COVID hit, I was still tutoring in Greenwich, and I went to tutoring by Zoom, which meant I only had to look good from here up. (laughs) So literally, I've lived in uh, stretch pants for the last two and a half years. So today, I was like, that's a zipper. Wow. It feels good. So, As Carrie said, my job for the last 25 years has been tutoring Japanese moms and their kids. And I, in the course of that, would often have the moms come over to my house for coffee or for lunch or something. And I remember the first woman that came over, walked into my house, and she got into the kitchen and she froze, she just looked all around. And I thought, oh no, I've committed some cultural faux pas or something. And I said to her, what's the matter? And she said, oh, I'm I'm just looking because I've never been invited into an American's house before. Now, at that point, Junko had been in the United States for two years. She had two boys in the Greenwich Public Schools. She had plenty of opportunities to meet Americans, but no one had taken the time to invite her into their home. And that made me so very, very sad. And I thought, what a missed opportunity that is, uh, both for her to know American culture and American people and also for them to know the wonderful Japanese culture and get to know her. So today we're going to talk about hospitality and for some of you now your image is the beautiful house, the table is perfect, you have the fine china, the nice centerpiece, everything looks lovely, you get served a gourmet meal and all of you go. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. I don't have time to do that. I don't have money to do that. Or that's just not my thing. But that's not what the meaning of hospitality is. The real definition of the word, literally, is lover of strangers. So that's something that all of us can do. We can all be lover of strangers. Have a heart for people, be others focused, And we won't treat anyone like an outsider, but we will include and make everyone feel like an insider. And as Christ followers, that's what every one of us is called to do. So being hospitable doesn't mean that I have to always invite people into my home. It means I need to love them as Jesus loved them. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of what I'm going to share will involve inviting people into your home, but if you're not able to do that in your situation, there are ways that you can adapt some of the things I'm going to say and find ways to be hospitable. Uh, If you think about it, Jesus never owned a home, and he certainly was hospitable. So we can think of the time when uh, he met the Samaritan woman. She's uh, got a very messy life. She's a Samaritan and a woman, so three strikes against her in that culture. And yet, he takes the time to stop, spend a lot of time with her, ask her questions, know her story, and find out her true needs. Or think about when he fed the 5,000. So if you go to the scriptures, you see in Luke 9, the disciples come and they say, can we send these people away? They're hungry. Let's get rid of them. And that we can't feed them. Send them away. And Jesus says, no, you find them something to eat, and he puts the responsibility back on the disciples to teach them we need to be includers, we need to make them feel part of our group. And so Jesus was always hospitable. So why should we be? Because he was, number one, but number two, we're commanded to be hospitable. If you look at Romans 12:13, it says, practice hospitality. And to practice here means to do something regularly, habitually, usually. So it needs to be part of your lifestyle, part of your rule of life. And it's written in that imperative mood, like do your homework, or sit down, or don't hit your brother. And here it says, practice hospitality. It's a command that we're supposed to do. But I think the most important reason for doing it, the real motivation should be God's love for us. And we serve out of a sense of gratitude for him. So think of all the blessings that we've received. Those are meant to spill out to other people. And that's our real motivation for being hospitable. So we know we should do it. But now what comes to mind? Well, I have to grocery shop, i got to clean the house, i got to prepare a meal, i got to clean up. Um, but I want to change your view of hospitality today, not to think of it as a chore, but as an opportunity instead. An opportunity means that it's a situation that has benefit. There can be a positive outcome from it. And I think one of those (laughs) benefits is our own growth. And whenever we do something that's difficult or out of our comfort zones, that's when we grow. Um, We never change if we don't do anything different or anything that's hard for us or anything that's a little bit uncomfortable. And again, Jesus never avoided the hard. Uh, He never avoided the things that were... Uh, scary or fearful, but he did everything out of love and sacrifice and so many times he puts us in places of discomfort to grow us and to help us look to him for help to do those things. So some of us say well you know I'm an introvert so that reaching out to people is really hard for me and that may be so but that doesn't excuse us from going from here to here, so you're an introvert, here's the extrovert, maybe much easier for them, but we can all move a little bit more toward being lovers of strangers. And I think practicing hospitality really teaches us to hold material things very lightly mm-hmm. and people very closely, <coughs> and that's the focus that we should have. I've had my kids' toys broken, I've had my couch peed on by an mm-hmm. adult, it was a toddler, Um, I've had an uninvited dog come along with someone, jump up on my kitchen counter, and eat a whole stick of butter off of it. (laughs) So, I mean, those are the things that are going to happen. But hospitality is also the beginning of most of my really great friendships. It's the widening of my world, my world view. It's a way to bring people together, and it certainly is a way to share the love of Jesus with people. But it's more than just saying, okay. we need to be hospitable. It's the attitude that we do it with. First Peter 4.9 says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Mm-hmm. That makes me think of the story of Martha and Mary when they're serving dinner to Jesus and the disciples. Let me read the few verses to you. As Jesus and his <coughs> disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sisters left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her." So Martha got the first part of the verse right. She opened her home. But she really messed up on the second one, doing without grumbling. She forgot about why she was hosting to begin with. Was it just to feed the people, or was it to be with Jesus and his disciples? The application for us, I think, is to keep the focus of why we have people in our homes. Now, what made her grumble? What made her get upset? The obvious unfairness. And if I were Martha, I would have been upset too, I think. Okay, here's Mary having all the fun, and I'm in the kitchen. So what's the application for us? I think it is ahead of time to look through my expectations and know myself, what can I do? How can I be hospitable without it turning into something where I'm going to end up grumbling? Mm. Simplify. If you love to cook, Make a big meal. You can do that without grumbling, but if that's not your thing, and I'll talk about some ways in a minute, what can I do to be simpler when I want to have people over so that it doesn't end up something that I do with a bad attitude? And if you're married, talk about it ahead of time, who's going to do what? So that five minutes before, you're not upset with your husband for cleaning the car instead of the toilet. <laughs> been there. But now I know to say, if that part isn't helpful, this would be. And talk about it beforehand. So. That's important, the view in the driveway as they come in. <laughs> One time he was vacuuming the, 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 uh, the basement. I'm like, what? Right. Anyway. <laughs> so, all right. So... Mary takes things out, uh, excuse me, Martha takes things out on Mary, which I find, I mean, let me start again, that got me all mixed up, sorry, (laughs) all right, so Martha's angry, and what does she end up doing? She takes it out on Jesus, can you imagine? Think about that, so here she's really upset that her sister's not helping her, and she comes out and she says to Jesus, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? And then she gives him an order. Tell her to go help me. All right, Jesus has done nothing wrong. So look what happens when we have a bad attitude. It spills out somewhere, and many times it often hits people who weren't really even the ones that caused the problem. So we need to be really careful what our attitude is when we're serving, really in any capacity. Um, and, and how that's going to affect things. Think now if you're one of the disciples, so you've been over, you're having this nice dinner in the house and everything, this is a great day, and now Mary comes out with this, uh, Martha comes out with this tirade. You're not comfortable anymore. You're not glad you were invited. You've, it's an awkward situation. And so she's caused, instead of comfort of the people in her home, she's caused just the opposite. So our attitude is really, really important. Scripture, though, reveals the real root problem of her bad attitude. It says she was distracted by all the preparations. So why are the preparations a distraction? Because again, the main purpose is relationship. And she's lost focus of her mission for that day. The goal of our hospitality always has to be more than the food or the decor. It has to be the people. We have to go back to the definition loving strangers, having a heart for people. Now, many of us are going to avoid practicing hospitality because of another Martha, Martha Stewart, (laughs) (laughs) right? So we've all seen pictures in the magazines or online, everything perfect, I can't do what she does, and so I'm not going to do anything. And that's not the right attitude. You don't have to be Martha Stewart. And anyway, she has a staff. She's not the one hot gluing the tin cans together with feathers from her backyard to make a centerpiece. Somebody else is doing that. You don't have to be doing all that. So don't be intimidated by Pinterest versions of what hospitality has to look like. That's a distraction. If that's your thing, then it's not a distraction to you. But if it's overwhelming, it's a distraction. And focus instead on people. Now, it says, the the preparations became a distraction. So there are some preparations that we need to do, but it doesn't have to be a meal. So you can have people over and just have coffee in the morning. You can have an afternoon tea and literally have teas, tea and a box of cupcakes (coughs) you bought at the bakery. Have people over for lunch, I've done this, do a salad bar. I get the salad, I get a rotisserie chicken, I cut it up, and I ask everybody to bring two or three toppings. Everybody brings them out. We have a whole big, wonderful salad bar. Makes a great lunch, very little work. Have people over just for dessert. And if you don't even want to bake, do a Sunday. Ice cream Sundays. Buy some uh, ice cream and all the toppings. You're good to go. If you want to do a dinner, invite a lot of people. Most people will offer to bring something. If everybody brings one thing, you only have to make the main dish. You're good to go. Now, my mother used to always say where there's a will, there's a way It's old-fashioned saying meaning if you really want to do it you'll find a way to do it so I'm going to give you a real simple way if you want to have people for dinner and you can't cook all you have to do is have a Costco membership <laughs> so you walk in you get a couple rotisserie chickens they're only $4.99 okay then you get the big bag of salad that comes with all the sides and the dressing in it put it in a bowl mix it up you got your salad anybody can bake a potato so you know, prick it with a fork, stick it in the microwave, you got your potatoes. You buy the cut-up broccoli already, you mix it with a little olive oil, throw it in the oven, roast it, you got your vegetable. You buy a loaf of bread from Costco and you get one of their desserts. Their cheesecake were better than what you can make at home. Bingo, there's your meal. It wasn't very hard. So if you want to do it, there's ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Or just get takeout. You don't have to cook when people come over. Mm-hmm. Many years ago, a woman came up to me one Sunday in church and she said, we would really like to have your family over for dinner. But she goes, I'm single and I never cook. Would you really mind if I just ordered a pizza? I said, are you kidding? My kids will be thrilled. We get to go out for pizza at your house. Wonderful. You don't have to cook. That was great. It was perfect. Now, what's really at the root of all this? I think it's pride. What will you think if you come to my house and I didn't cook? What will you think if I got chicken from Costco instead of roasting it myself? What will you think if my house isn't as nice as you have? It's a focus on me. It's not a focus on what others need. It's not a focus upward on what God's calling me to do. So really be careful of that, thinking that I have to measure up to somebody else. I have to only do what God's calling me to do. 40 years ago, when we moved to Stanford, one of the first families to have us over was a young family with four, four young kids, probably five and under. And back then, we had Sunday church at night and in the morning, and Sunday school. So they'd been to Sunday school, they'd been to Sunday morning church, they came Sunday night with four little kids, and now they were having us back to their house. We walked in, and I couldn't even sit down. There was a pile of laundry waiting to be folded all over the couch my first instinct was, oh my goodness. Because when I was growing up, my mother entertained. When we had people over, everything was perfect. And so at first I was shocked. And then I thought, well, Layla is not entertaining. She's loving people. She is inviting us into the mess that is her life right now. This is how she lives. And she's letting us be part of it. This is wonderful. Mm. And in the end, what did I think of her? I thought she is confident and secure in who she is, and she can have people over. She could have said, you know, I'm not going to go to church. I'm going to stay home and fold the laundry so it looks great before Kathy and Scott got here. But instead, this is how I live. We sat on the couch for five minutes. I helped her fold the laundry, and then we went on with the evening. I have great admiration for her. Now, a lot of people use the excuse, can't have people over right now. My house is a mess. So this is what I always did. Clean right before your guests are coming. At some point in your life, you have to clean your house anyway. So why schedule it a week before? Do it right before you're going to have the people over. My kids literally, when they saw the vacuum out, would say to me, Mom, who's coming over? (laughs) No lie. Okay. And just realize it's not going to be perfect, and it doesn't have to be perfect. Just be flexible. I've had plenty of food fails. One time, I put the roast in, and I didn't realize the oven door didn't Shut all the way, and so an hour and a half later, it was barely cooked. You know, I one time I asked people to bring stuff, and there was a miscommunication, and somebody changed their mind, and we had three potato dishes, no salad, no vegetable. Oh well, it doesn't matter. We still had fun. The evening was not ruined. It's not the end of the world. What matters is the, um, the warmth and the love, not the food, not the condition of our home. What matters is sharing life and being an example of Jesus' love. So when are you going to do it? I encourage you to be intentional. If you don't stop and put it on the calendar, the week goes by, the weekend's gone, back to work. Next week goes by, I watch Netflix this weekend, time is gone. Scott and I sit with our calendars um, either once a month or once every two months, plan long range, when can we be hospitable? So try to put it on your calendar, be intentional. Now if your goal is to really love people, that's the whole point of hospitality, what are some ways that we can do that? How can we love people and share blessings with them when they come into our home? We've learned over the years the hard way, really important to pray right before people get to our house. Mm -hmm. And so right before our guests arrive, we always ask God for an ability to serve them, to make them feel welcomed and loved. Secondly, we always say grace before the meal, whether we have in people of faith or not. Because even if they're not people of faith, I think it's a very gentle way to invite God into the day. And now we also um, try to do a prayer when people leave, just to bless them. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, nothing heavy handed, nothing long, but just to, to ask God's blessing on their lives. And if something has come up during our conversation, a need that we know, we just pray for that. Um, before they go. And the purpose of having people in is is to get to know them, to share them, to get to know their lives. And so really important to hear their stories, to ask questions, and be intentional with that. So another thing we like to do is we have these little cards, all different, some of them are called the ungame. and they all have questions on them. And we'll put them in a basket and hand them out at dinner and ask everybody to share them, something like this. If you could have lived at a different time in history, when would it have been? What kind of store would you like to own and operate? What jobs have you had in your life? What talent do you wish you had? And then if we know it's a group of uh, believers, we might try to go a little bit deeper. How has your spiritual life been affected by growing older? Or what's your favorite name for God? And just ask people different questions like that. Um, It's just a nice way to have good conversation and find out about people. It really also works well uh, with people that you know well. We go on vacation every year with my side of the family, my brothers, my nieces, and my nephews, and whoever cooks dinner that night has to come up with a sharing question. In that case, we all do the (coughs) same one. And we've had some of the best and deepest conversations with people that we already know well by having uh, questions like that. So learn to ask questions. Now, who are we supposed to be hospitable to? By definition, lover of strangers. But 1 Peter 4.9 says, offer hospitality to one another. And this is Peter writing to believers. So he's saying also, besides strangers, we're to be hospitable to our fellow Christians. And I think in both instances, strangers and our church family we have to be really careful not to overlook certain people. Um, really important to invite people that are different from you. A different age, different background, different race, reach out. Nice. Don't forget the widow, the divorced, the elderly, all want to be included. If you're married, invite singles. Uh, invite families with little kids. International students. As Carrie mentioned, we reached out to Chinese students at UConn, had them in our house uh, once a month. Great opportunity, I want to use that word again. At Christmas, we had them come and decorate our house with us. They'd never put up a Christmas tree before. Mm -hmm. I put out my manger scene and I explained the gospel through each character. We had them come a few weeks before Thanksgiving, I made a turkey. They'd never seen a turkey before. They all took pictures as I took it out of the oven. (laughs) We put five kernels of corn on everyone's plate. We told them the story of how the first Thanksgiving came to be. We got to share Jesus with them through that. Easter, we said, come on over, we'll decorate eggs. We told them the Easter story. Opportunity, opportunity. UB is right here. There's great opportunity, and there's ministries that can connect you if you want to do that. So right there. Um, If you're a college student, who do you know that doesn't have a place to go for break that you could bring home with you? Or if you live nearby, that you could bring home for a weekend opportunities there? Uh, I have a friend whose grandson is at West Point, and she said to me last week that he had just finished up his six weeks of basic training, and now he was able to come home. And he'd been home the last few weekends, and every weekend he brought two friends with him people who lived far away, and I thought, here he is, he's 18, and he knows how to do hospitality. He's got it already. And then finally, people that you think maybe don't need to be invited. So when we were first married, we lived in a small one-bedroom apartment in what was called a row house in Pennsylvania, and so we lived in a converted uh, house. We were just on the first floor, and so you walked in, and there was our living room, and you had to literally walk through our bedroom to get to the kitchen. And everyone back then had early American furniture, and we had early used furniture. We had (laughs) nothing new at all. And Scott was doing youth ministry at that time, and we were having the youth leaders over. And I didn't know how to cook when we were first married, and so it was like tacos out of a box. And one of the youth leaders, this couple, was the richest people in our church. Lived in a huge house. And I was very intimidated that they were coming to my little apartment with my poor cooking skills. But at the end of the night, Cheryl came up to me and she pulled me aside and she said, thank you so much for having us over. She said, everyone assumes that we won't want to come to to their house. And she said, it was so nice to be invited here. Everyone needs to feel like an insider. So everyone needs to be invited. During World War II, the Japanese in America were rounded up and sent to internment camps. And a reporter asked a young Japanese girl at the train station, how does it feel to be without a home? And the girl said, we have a home. We just don't have a house to put it in. So if you don't have a house or an apartment or the right situation to have people over, how can you bring the feeling of home? How can you be hospitable to others? You can invite someone to go for a walk with you. You can invite them to go out to coffee or for lunch. At work, you can invite someone to sit with you, or you can say, I'm gonna get takeout, would you like to join me? At church, you can sit with someone you don't know and find out their story. If you're a student, look for the new kid at lunch. They're always lonely. Or, invite them to a school event. No one likes to walk into anything alone. So hospitality, I hope you see it as an opportunity and not a chore. It's a great opportunity for God to use you in meeting people's needs. When we moved to Trumbull two years ago, we made a commitment to reach out to our neighbors. Um, We moved in the middle, really the beginning of COVID, so at first it was very hard. Nobody wanted to go to anybody's house. um, But eventually we were able to start gathering the immediate neighbors around us. And we would do what I just shared. We would always say grace with them, do a blessing at the end. And last week I was out in my garden and the woman across the street, who's been in my house probably five or six times, but I don't really know her well other than her coming to my house. I haven't seen her much. And she came over and said to me, would you please pray for my daughter? And she told me the situation, explained it to me. And so I said, all right, well, let's, let's pray right now. And so we bowed our heads on my front lawn and we prayed. And I thought, you know, hospitality is what afforded me. that situation. If she hadn't been in my house numerous times, if I hadn't been able to be hospital to her, I don't think, she, she wouldn't even known that I was a person of prayer. Um, but that gave her the opportunity to ask me and made me be able to take one more step with her spiritually. So hospitality gives you great opportunities and I hope that you'll take them. Practice hospitality. So to end, I just want you to think where you are on the scale today in terms of hospitality, practicing it as a regular habit. If you're here and you never ever do it, what's one thing that you can do to just move a little, to begin to practice, to begin to loving strangers? If you're here and sometimes you do it, but it's not yet a habit, what's one thing that you can do to make it become more your regular way of life, that you are a lover of strangers? And if you're someone here who really does hospitality regularly, is there anything that you need to fix in terms of your grumbling or your attitude? What's one thing that you could do to make it more the way God wants it to be? So let's pray. Lord, I just ask that right now you would bring to mind what each of us needs to do to become more hospitable, to love strangers the way that you do. So in this quiet moment, Lord, just Speak to each one of us.